Laps on your phone. Go ahead and get them out. Fire them up. Go to John chapter 4. John the 4th chapter. If you're new with us today or new to church period, you don't know about John chapter 4 or John any other chapter, then just kick back and enjoy and listen the best you can. I believe you'll be helped. If it's new to you, understood it was new to me and new to everyone at some point. And so you're in the right place at the right time. And uh, if you want, you know, we have those announcement bulletins that have space for taking notes. If you want to write anything down that God speaks to you today, I'm confident that He will. I prepare um, not enough in this regard. I mean, I have too much in one sense to say, and that's totally true today, especially, uh, but I, I prepare not enough in, in regards to if God doesn't show up, it's really not going to be that good. <laughs> and so I go with an expectation that God will fill in the gaps and He will add to and, 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 and say what I can't say and do what I can't do. You understand what I'm talking about? And so I have an expectation and that's what fills in the gaps. My faith is that God will speak to you. That God will, will, will deal with you. He'll work in your life today. And we'll all go out of here better than we came. Amen, amen. Uh, we started a series a number of weeks ago. I want to give you the sixth part today. It's called We Bow Down. We Bow Down. We're talking about worship and uh, having a relationship with God. Of course, you can see within the very title that um, We Bow Down is not the same as We Stand Up. And, uh, and built into that is the element of humility, the element of submission to God. In other words, we're saying, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not here demanding that you accept me the way I am. I'm here to change. I'm here to, to have my mind changed, my thoughts, my, my way of life. I'm here to do it your way. And that submissive heart, that, that humble heart will get you places in God. I tell you, when you're proud, you get resisted. But when you're humble, you get lifted. Praise God. Let's read what Jesus said here once again. John chapter 4 and verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, that's what we're seeking to be, right? The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And, and so to, to say a couple of things that I've mentioned to you before, I know this, that if we are going to truly worship the Father, there must be the element of sincerity. You must be real, not phony, not put on. And then there also must be an element of accuracy or truth. Not just the way that I see it, but the way that he sees it, the way, the way that it really is. Uh, I need to come to him um, not just with transparency, that's a vital quality, but how many know being transparent is not the pinnacle? I also want to have wisdom, I want to be smart, I want to have truth. You ever seen the person who was overly transparent? <laughs> And what I mean by that is, uh, what, what do they call it, TMI? <laughs> but sometimes, even in this regard, every time they feel something about anyone, they say it. And, and that might be helpful if it's a kind gesture or a good and, and, and loving thought, but what about when you don't like someone? Do you say that too? 
How many know wisdom says most of the time you, you don't say things like that? You don't express everything you feel. You don't have to tell everyone everything you think or everything you believe, right? We come to the Lord, we're wanting to be sincere, we want to be genuine, but we also want to be right. We seek, as Jesus said, the kingdom and His righteousness or rightness. We're seeking God's way of doing things. We genuinely want to be on the side of truth and, and be correct. So in that, if I'm going to be right by God's standards, a whole bunch of times in my life I'm going to run into situations where I was thinking about it wrong, I said it wrong, I approached it incorrectly, and I'm going to have to bow to His will. His way. And if I'll do that repeatedly through my life, I for sure will not only grow, I'll increase, I'll be elevated and, and promoted by God Himself because He values those and He, uh, you know, He exalts those who will humble themselves. Amen. Everybody okay? In short, I could say it this way we don't want to have any fake Christians. Fake. Meaning, say, what do you mean fake Christians? I mean those who come and worship the Lord and they put their smile on and they live a different way. I say worship the Lord in maybe quotations because it's kind of phony. We don't want fake Christians. We don't want to do what, we don't want to be one thing in here and, and another thing on the job. We're sweet and kind to everybody and call everyone brother and sister. And, <laughs> and then on the job we call people different things. You know. Not so kind. Let's be real. Everybody okay? We worship God, not just with our mouths, not just with our, our songs, not just with our uh, coming to church. We worship Him with our lives. And both are vital parts of this equation. Amen. I think the more we spend time in true worship of God as an act, as an intentional behavior, the more we we get things fixed in the way that we behave. In other words, it's very difficult for me to spend time truly worshiping God and then act in a way that is totally contrary to His ways shortly thereafter. In other words, I'm not going to spend I'm not going to spend an hour walking the floor saying I worship you. You're so good to me. I worship you. I worship you, Lord. You're so good to me. I'm not going to spend time doing that and as soon as I get out of that place going to be rude to someone, going to tell a lie or gossip on somebody else, right? You're not going to spend time with the Lord, worshiping the Lord, no one else but you and him and just time dedicated and honoring him and then go commit adultery when you're done. It's just those things just don't happen. And so what, hap what does happen is the more we will be in a place of honoring and worshiping God with intention and with action, it alters the way that we think. It alters the way that we live. I've been blessed to hear the stories of, of, of a number of people who have come here and, 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 and they were, by their own confession, by their own testimony, uh, living ungodly lives. Some of them Christians, but just kind of living the ways of the world. What I would maybe call fake, you know. Uh, they're living the ways of the world, but, but they came here and they began to grow. They began to draw near to God. And without anyone saying anything to them, without anyone, you know, judging or being condemning of them, they drew near to God and said, we need to do our lives different. We've got to change some things because this is not right. I think that's a sign of God's presence in their life.
Amen. Now I know. Well, there, there's a you know there's a scripture over in First Corinthians uh, where uh, Paul was writing to them about some issues that they had in their church about uh, people were confused about the, about whether they should eat food offered to idols. All right, we typically don't have that issue in our culture today. It's just we want to eat food that's clean or prepared well or something like that. Uh, and, and, and he made this statement at the end of the discussion. Sometimes there's a truth that fits the discussion, but it also fits other scenarios. And uh, what he said in 1 Corinthians 10.31, he said, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I just think that's a great measurement. That's a great test for what we do. Whatever I'm eating, Lord, this is for your glory. Whatever I'm drinking, Lord, I'm doing it for your... Be glorified in what I'm drinking here. Right? Or whatever we do. Can we say... It's a good thing for us to self-check. Can I say, Lord, be glorified in how I treat my, my wife. Lord, be glorified in how I do business. And how I handle customers with an honesty and integrity. And be glorified with how I tip the server at the restaurant. I mean, what could you plug in there? Whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever you say, whatever you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And if we find ourselves saying, I'm not sure the Lord's going to be glorified in this. Well, that's when we self-adjust and say, okay, let me step back. Am I the real thing here, or my phony baloney fake Christian singing the songs and then it doesn't actually play out in my life. Now I know that, you know, that simple test there, it can produce different results because one person would say, yeah, I think the Lord's glorified in this, and another person would say, I don't. <laughs> and there's different levels of, of growth. There's different levels of understanding. There's also the, you know, the condition that sometimes we deal with called um, a calloused or seared conscience, you know, a hard heart. And, and what happens is whenever the Lord begins to reveal something to you, and many times it's as a result of being with Him, I worship you, I worship you, I, I love you, Lord, some things become clear to us. And have you ever had the Lord deal with you and you weren't quite sure you wanted to do what He was directing you to do? And so, but you realized when you left that, service or that time of prayer, that that thing went with you. That word, that directive, it kind of stayed with you like, ah. And then you went to bed and there it was. And the next morning you woke up and you thought, I, I was just tired. And so that was bugging me. And you woke up and there it was again. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. The Lord kind of dealt with me about starting this church, and I could probably explain it to some degree. I wasn't resistant, but it was like the longer I went, and over time, every day, there it was. And eventually, if I hadn't, and I don't mean I wasn't real, I wasn't in disobedience. I was looking for the Lord's time and everything. But if I wouldn't have done what He told me to do, that would have been miserable. It would, because I'd wake up every day, and there it would be. But here's the thing. Eventually what happens, when, when, the, when God deals with us, eventually if you resist, 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 re exist, ignore, push it aside, eventually it does go away. I don't want that. What do you mean it goes away? There becomes a little callous on your conscience and you stop hearing it. 
and then you're okay living outside of God's best. You become comfortable resisting His best in your life. Never get there. And if you've already gotten there, it's time to get down on your knees, man. It's time to say, Lord, break it up now. Break it up. Let's, let's, I need to get back to where I can hear you again. I need to get back to where I'm responding to you, where we have an open dialogue. You get on your knees and you spend time there until, until you're ready to go. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Amen. And so worship God. Ask yourself, is God glorified in what I am doing? Now, one of the elements that will help us and something we need to have in play in our, in our relationship with God is that we never take the credit for things that He does. We never think of ourselves as being the source or the author of good and perfect gifts that come uh, to us or through us in life. It's always a redirection of the glory. He kind of, just heads up, requires this. Okay, whether I like it or not, this is the way that he is. And if I don't see that, I'm, I'm missing out. Okay, uh, let me give you a couple examples. Isaiah 42 and verse 8 reads, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. Look what he says, I will not do it. I will not give my glory to another. Chapter 48 and verse 11 for my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. So he says it multiple times there in the same book about giving his glory out. Now, we should re recognize that whenever God moves, that it's him. It's real vital that I be able to distinguish what is God. What I did, what he did. Some of that comes into play like when people receive healing. I mean, no, a human being in and of themselves doesn't heal anybody. They don't. Um, really, even those, and I'm talking about faith and laying on a hands in prayer and so forth there, even those in the medical profession aren't healing anybody. They're helping healing to work. And doing some things so healing can, can, can take place based on what God created, right? But uh, we always have to watch that we're not taking credit or allowing anyone for a moment to give us the glory for something that we did through our prayers or whatever it is. Uh, I've had individuals, I remember being over here one time, but we were praying for sick people. And thank you, Lord, we've seen outstanding miracles and they're only on the rise and not on the decline, seeing God do great things. But I remember standing over here, I'm about to pray for someone, and they've got a handful of money. And they wanted to give me this money before I prayed for their, their healing. And uh, I, I'm like, eee, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, if that's your, like your tithe or something to the Lord, put it in the bucket or whatever. But this is not related. You cannot buy a healing. And you cannot pay me as a minister to do something for you. Because if anything happens that's good, that's God. And I'm not taking anything for it. You don't understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and people, things can get off. I remember hearing about this great move of God a few decades ago in a particular part of the country. Um, 
God was moving tremendously. Thousands of people were, were being stirred and blessed. And it died out pretty quick. And I wasn't there, but those who knew more about it said what happened was they would have great miracles and then they would follow those with offerings. Now, how many know it's about the heart? Because an offering is a biblical thing to do. But it's like they were taking advantage of the great miracles because, you know, you have a, you have a healing or a tumor go away and then you take an offering. It turns out better than if you took the offering before the tumor went away. <laughs> and, and they may have had real needs and everything, but there's a real danger of people taking glory or using the things of God uh, in a manipulative way. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you may not know this. Uh, you probably don't. But we had a guest uh, last year. Uh, it was Keith Moore. And uh, one of the nights of our services, um, I knew in retrospect, but before the service, I could tell he knew something. What happened in the service, it ended up being a lot of healings and miracles. But he asked me before the service, he said, if you wouldn't mind, he said, if you're going to receive an offering for our ministry tonight, um, he said, would you, would you mind doing it ahead of time instead of after? And he said, I said, well, that's a strange thing for a guest speaker to say. <laughs> Just being honest. He said, because... He, uh, he said, I don't like to, there to be any tie-in like people are paying for what they got. Like people are paying for their healing or their, the miracle or anything like that. And he said, at the same time, it takes more faith on my part. If I do it before he ever ministers, people just have to be led. And I thought, boom. That's the real deal right there. He's one of those people that, you know, he's a minister that sometimes gets criticized because he teaches on prosperity. Stay away from that. The criticism is what I'm talking about. People, <laughs> people, people make judgments about individuals and they have no idea the heart for God and the faith that is there. They just think, oh, they're trying to take advantage of people. There may be some shysters out there, but most of them are not. How do I get off on that? <laughs> Let me get back to this. Jesus paid the price. We're just delivering a package. You know, if I bought you a gift, a beautiful, glorious, wonderful birthday present or something, and I had it shipped to you, do you thank the UPS driver? Do you write a note? Dear UPS man, woman, thank you so much for my new whatever... No, I mean, you might thank him in the sense if you were at the door. Hey, thanks, and you're being courteous, and he walked it from the truck to the door, and, you know. But you're not thanking him like you would the person who got the gift for you, right? And when it comes to spiritual things, who do we thank? If I, get, if I do a good job today teaching the Word or praying and ministering in the anointing, do you thank me for that? Not any more than you would the UPS guy. I mean, you can be courteous. Hey, thanks for that. Appreciate that. But really, what I desire you do is give thanks to God. Because if it was good, if it was life-changing, if it altered your, your relationship with Him, I'm tell, I'll tell you firsthand, He did it. I didn't. I just delivered the package. Amen. And so I desire, sincerely, from, all, with, from the bottom of my heart, that whenever God moves, we recognize that God did it and give Him all the glory. And all the praise, I know in that atmosphere, we're going higher.
In that atmosphere, he will not debase us, but he will promote us and exalt us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you would, um, turn to 2 Kings. That's right before uh, 1 Kings. Or no, right after. <laughs> Wait a minute. One, two, one. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Chapter 5. Have you ever heard people use a statement that goes like this, that, that, that God uh, does things in such a way that only He can get the credit? I have a problem with that statement. One, it's not a verse. And I don't doubt that there are times when it's no doubt, no question at all, that did not come from a human being. But I think many times God works... And it looks like a person did it. That's the reason we're told to not take his glory away from him, but to give it to him. We wouldn't even be told to do that if it was all obviously 100% God and no one could question it. The reality is that God works and it looks like you did it. It looks like I did it. That's why we're instructed, give the glory to God. Keep pointing back, like Jesus. Give all the credit to the Father for anything good that happens. Amen. So when good happens, who did it? Well, God did it through us. But it often looks like we did it. So we give credit to whom credit is due, honor to whom honor is due. Now, before I read this, I want to bring a principle out to you. Um, it's real simple. We are whoever we are. We are the way we are with people and with God. I am not one person in my relationship with God and a totally separate person in my relationship with people. I, I, I can't live one way in my relationships on earth and then switch gears and now I'm just a awesome, true worshiper of God when I relate to Him. These things overlap, and I am who I am. I can put it on for a little while. You can, you can fake it. You know, you can sing the song and s smile that you're at church, and then be a jerk on the road on the way out. People can do that. Uh, but with God, we're not fooling anybody. And so one of the ways I can analyze my own relationship with God and know if I'm truly bowed down is to analyze how I treat people. How do I interact with individuals? How do I deal with situations that don't go my way? Because I'm the same person in both relationships. And sometimes I think my relationship with God is wonderful. My relationship with people is terrible. <laughs> and the deception is in the relationship with God. It's not as good as we think it is. So there was this guy called Naaman, who was a, a, a commanding uh, officer in Syria. All right? The Syria that is today, but this is many years ago because it's in the book. And Naaman had leprosy. Was an, back then, that was an incurable, from a natural perspective, incurable disease. 
And so, how many know at that point, doesn't matter what your rank is, doesn't matter how much influence you have, how much accolades you've received, you have an incurable disease, you're just like everybody else with an incurable disease. And anyway, he had this young girl working for them in their house as a servant because they had picked her up in a raid. <laughs> they did that kind of stuff back then. She was an Israeli girl serving them. And she said, there's a prophet over in Israel that can heal you of this. You can be healed of this leprosy. So if he's, of course, grasping for air, he writes to the king and said, I'm coming over there so you can heal me. <laughs> and the king freaks out, tears his clothes. Who do you think I am that I can do this? Elisha hears about it and says, send him over. And, uh, and so Elisha comes or Naaman comes to Elisha's house, Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. Naaman did what? He became furious. You ever have anger issues? <laughs> you ever get real upset about the way things go or how people treat you or what they say that you ought to do? Have you ever received advice? You went to someone for help and they gave you advice and you just got furious over that advice? Might be a problem. Might be an issue going on in your life. Look, look what happened here. Naaman became furious. By the way, this is a symptom of pride. Just so you can see where we're going. Uh, he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself. <laughs> so pre pre preceding his going to the prophet's house, he had a plan, didn't he? He laid it out exactly how it was going to go. And of course, he's Naaman. He's used to calling some shots and getting what he wants. And people look up to him and respect him and treat him in whatever way he wants to be treated, right? So he said to myself, he will surely come out for me. Um, wait a minute, did he do that? <laughs> the prophet didn't come out there. He didn't even see him personally. He sent someone else to give him a message. How many know that hurts the, prou the, the proud heart? What, I, I don't even get a personal meeting? I come all this way. I'm kind of a big shot in my land. And I come all this way. I don't even get a one-on-one -on -one with the prophet. I don't know why Elisha did that. I wonder if it was to expose something in his heart. But no, Elisha didn't even go out and see the guy. And I tell him this. <laughs> what did it do? It ticked him off. He said, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Of course, he did none of that. So all his plan, not happening, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He had it all played out. This is how it's going to work. No more leprosy. And he would go away happy and everything would be great. And none of it went down as he thought it would. None of it went down as he expected it to happen. Amen. You ever, you ever approach God and you had it all planned out? This is how it's going to happen and it happened a different way? Verse 12, he went on to say here, Are not the Abana and the, the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? 
Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He is not a happy camper or commander. Uh, he went away in a rage. See, proud people get angry when they don't get what they want. And things don't go as they expect. I'm not talking about a righteous anger. There are times when we're upset about things not being done right. Uh, or, you know, injustice of some kind. But I'm talking about when, when you, you don't get your way. When you thought people need to treat you a certain way and, 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 and do something that you had played out in your mind ought to happen, do you get angry about that? Are you upset? Are you above that? Don't, don't they know who I am? I've come all this way. I deserve. And then we have our expectations. Amen. Certainly he was deserving of an audience of, of, with Elisha the prophet, right? Here he is being treated like an ordinary person. Ever been treated like an ordinary person? Or maybe in your mind less than an ordinary person? What's in the heart then begins to manifest. Do we humble ourselves or do we get angry? <sighs> How dare they? He was told to do something that, his court, that he thought was beneath him. You ever been asked to do something that you thought was beneath you? What comes out of the heart then? What's manifest is very important. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10 reads, By pride comes nothing but strife, but, when the, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Why do people argue? Why do people fight? Why, do they, why are they contentious? Here's why. Pride. It's the proud heart that has to be right and can't handle anyone disagreeing with them or pushing back on anything. The proud heart takes a personal offense. Ah, oh, how can you say that to me? How can you disagree with me? I think it'd be important and of great value to all of us to stop caring if people disagree with us. You know, in most situations when someone disagrees with you, you don't even have to let them know that you don't agree with them. In many situations, someone brings something and it's like, oh, big deal. Why do we have to correct everyone? Why do we have to push back? I mean, there, 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 there are some exceptions. And when it comes to the gospel, I'm going to push back because for, of their sake. But how many know even in the Christian world, there are different Christians who see different things differently. Is one right and the other wrong? Yes. Does it really matter that much? It's not worth breaking relationships. Most subjects we talk about are not worth putting someone down over. I know whole families and relationships that break apart because one person believes in healing and the other doesn't. It's like, seriously, I'm not going to not love someone because they don't see that the way I do or, ha or won't have a relationship. But what happens, I think pride gets in people's heart. They think, oh, I have a wonderful relationship with the Lord because you know, God, that you and I are right. <laughs> and these other people are wrong. And so this relationship is wonderful. Listen, I think it's... Uh, I used to hear uh, Pastor Lynn from Twin Falls say, it's, it, he used to say, it's better to be godly than it is to be right. And sometimes someone might be right, but the way they... Their arrogancy... 
And they push back and they want to argue and fight with everyone. It's like, quit, quit. You want to disagree? Okay. I love you anyway. Have a nice day. You know, I mean, if someone's coming for help, then I expect you to dip in the river if that's what the word is. And if you don't, well, good on you. See you in heaven. <laughs> Jesus went to prepare a place for me. Maybe you can help him. Get it ready since you're going early, since you're proud and won't go in the dirty river. But we love you anyway. Not going to fight. Not going to argue. Not going to contend because I'm not, you know, big deal. Someone disagrees with me. Everybody okay? <laughs> Pride always wants to prove that I am right. Amen. <laughs> Let me try to get a little bit further and then we'll unhook. And pick up later, because I'm not going to get done with everything that's here. Let me give you this verse. This is awesome. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let How many things? Nothing. Watch before you speak. Why am I saying this? Why am I pushing back? Why am I fighting against this? Is it because I look bad? Is it because my ambitions, my selfish ambitions are not being fulfilled? He said, but in lowliness of mind, that's humility, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The proud heart is often self-promoting. I want to make myself look good, look good in front of other people. Let me just throw this out. You can deal with, do with it whatever you want. We're, we're in the age of social media and everyone takes pictures of themselves. And almost, maybe I just leave it at that. <laughs> because I don't need to check everyone else's motive and the reason for it. Just food for thought, might there be a little oversharing of self? Might there be a few too many pictures of yourself that you share to the world? What's, why do you want everyone to think you're so good looking? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll just stop right there. Let's take up an offering. No, I'm just... <laughs> There's not going to be anything in that one. <laughs> I'm just wanting to analyze what I do. Is it to the glory of God? I'm not saying there's never a good reason to do something. I'm not. There might be a. I'm just saying I'm going to check my own heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I just trying to glorify myself, draw attention to myself? Am I constantly concerned about what everyone else thinks of me? Have you ever met people and within a few seconds of talking about them or <laughs> talking to them? <laughs> within a few seconds of talking to them, they're bringing up all of their accomplishments. It's like, I just met you and I already know 50 things that you've done that are awesome in life. It just makes you wonder. It's like, why are you so self-promoting? Why is it all about you? I'm not going to correct someone in that situation. I'm just going to wonder. <laughs> you know, uh, I've, had pe I've met people, of course, being a minister, people have met me and they, said, they tell me their name and so forth, and they immediately tell me that they're a prophet. 
That happened multiple times. Happened when I first started the church. People called me on the phone. I'm so and so. And by the way, I'm a prophet. Okay. You have a word for me? <laughs> you know, but I'm thinking, why are you putting that out there? If you really are, then great. Let the fruit bear, uh, you know, show itself and do what God has called you to do. I believe in prophets, and, and, uh, and, but why are you telling me that? You're trying to gain a place. You're trying to raise your stature in my eyes. You want me to think something grandiose of you. Why don't you just humble yourselves and let God use you and be real and normal and just throwing that out. I'm just throwing a lot of things out. <laughs> I wonder sometimes, what about when a person wears extreme dress, extreme clothing? I mean, you got your kind of middle of the road, which is, of course there's some variation there, and they always are outside of that. It's like, why are you trying to be noticed so much? You know wherever you go, if you dress like that, all the eyes are going to you. I think that's a little too much of self in mind. That's a little self-exaltation. Maybe it comes from a insecurity. Maybe it comes from some other, you know, deficiencies within a person's life. Uh, nevertheless, someone that often will manifest in pride. And what's our goal? If I'm truly bowing down to Him, I'm trying to live my life to where I'm pointing people to God. I want to give Him all the glory. Yes, I want to present myself well and all that kind of stuff. If I'm in a job interview, I'm going to talk about me. You know what I'm talking You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're going to talk. But as a general rule, why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I conduct myself? Am I too mindful of myself and receiving glory to myself? Or am I really honoring Him? I tell you, when you honor Him, He will promote you. There's a difference in being impressive and trying to impress. When I just do what God has called me to do and I live my life humbly before Him the best way I know can, best way I know I can, I will live an impressive life. And people will probably give accolades and different things. But if I'm trying to impress people, that's a wrong heart. Let God make you an impressive person. He totally will. Every single one of us. But it's when I'm trying to do it. It's, it's like Proverbs 27, 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Praise God. Everybody good today? Let's unhook right there. Father.